This morning's scripture reading will come from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. If you'd like to follow along in one of the pew Bibles, that can be found on page 1024. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Good morning. It is wonderful to be here this morning. I welcome all of you here. If we are visiting with us this morning, we are certainly glad that you are here and we welcome you. Our members, I hope, will surround you and shake your hand and introduce themselves to you uh, and let you know that they appreciate you being here as well. I have a couple of small things to take care of administratively before we start, uh, one of which is this is Bible Class Emphasis Day and really Bible Class Month. And we encourage you, if you are not involved in a Bible class, please do so. Please take that opportunity to learn more about God's Word. There's a certain way that you can learn about God's Word from listening to somebody preaching in the pulpit, but to really study in depth in God's Word and be around others who can give you information and hear different opinions and thoughts from those who have studied the Bible, you really have to be in, in Bible class. It's a different setup uh, for learning the Bible. And this month, we're asking our Bible classes to invite people to Bible class, not just people here at the congregation, but people that may not yet know Christ as their Lord and Savior, and that these verses that were just capably read don't mean anything to them uh, because they're not a reality in their lives. And so invite people to Bible class, and as a Bible class, we're asking them uh, to get together uh, for lunch on Sunday or for a get-together, especially during this month, uh, to strengthen those bonds uh, socially and spiritually between one another. So I ask you to, to push your Bible class leadership uh, or take the initiative yourself uh, of doing that uh, in a successful and aggressive way during the month of March. I know a lot of people be traveling uh, during this month, uh, including myself, uh, but please try and do that uh, today. Also, many of you uh, remember we were searching for and conducted a search for a children's program coordinator at the end of last year, the latter part of last year. And I apologize, I haven't made this announcement before now. I've been a little busy uh, about being coming up here. But we have selected some of them, had very good candidates uh, apply, several of them, especially down to the last couple of folks. But we have made a decision to hire a young lady named Lauren Moss. Uh, she is from Reedyville, Tennessee, which is near Murfreesboro, and she is finishing up at Freed Hardeman this quarter doing student teaching. 
she is a double major in early childhood development and child and family studies. And she'll be starting here to work on June the 6th, which is just in time for VBS. We'll find out whether or not she has the medal uh, to make it or not right off the bat. We'll know whether she's going to stick around by the end of June. And so uh, we're very excited about her coming. There'll be more information and an introduction of her uh, later. But the elders wanted me to give you an update because we haven't yet. And so I wanted to do that today. In order for us to, to go through life, there's a lot of things that come into our minds during the course of our lives. One of which is the arrival of mortality. Today's sermon title is the arrival of immortality and the verses we just read in 1 Corinthians deal with that. Uh, but also in our lives there comes a time when mortality arrives. When we're young or when we're teenagers or when we're young adults, we don't think much about mortality. We're invincible. Uh, we're not gonna die for a long, long time. Uh, and little things begin to happen in our life that we think, wow, wait, a minute, they weren't supposed to die. Our grandparents weren't supposed to die. And then as we get older, perhaps it's our parents weren't supposed to die. Uh, and as we go through life, other people begin to get sick and ill. And then it happens to you. In my life, I've had a lot of instances where it pushed me closer and closer to understanding that this body is perishable. It will die. In fall of 2014, I got a terrible phone call from my wife that she'd found a lump in her breast. And all of a sudden you begin to think, wait a minute, 40 year old people aren't supposed to get cancer and I could lose my anchor in this life. She's sick and we don't know what's gonna happen with that. I'm thankful to the Lord and y'all's prayers that she has recovered fully from that, but there's still the chance that it could come back one day. And that's a reality now that wasn't a reality three or four years ago. December of last year, I got a good reality check when I got an ambulance ride to Summit Hospital and then carried down to Centennial and I had a conversation with doctors that said, you've got an inoperable heart tumor and you may have to have a heart transplant. We don't know what we're going to do. Nobody knows how to handle it, this, that, and the other. And so that was a little bit sobering because at 42 years old, you're not supposed to have a, a heart problem. And then went to Cleveland. I remember laying outside the operating room on a gurney that said, they're fixing to go in there and, and crack my chest open and they may put me to sleep and I may not wake up. And I knew that there was a good chance I was gonna wake up, but you start thinking about those you leave behind. And I think about leaving a little girl without a daddy and a, a wife without a husband. And, and that begins to be very serious in your life. On January 22nd, three days before my surgery, I received the worst two phone calls I've ever heard in my life. When my friend John White called me and told me his little girl was dying. And then he called me a few minutes later and said she died. You know, that was terrible. That was terrible. You don't know what words to say. You have no idea what somebody's going through when they've lost a child, no matter if it's expected or unexpected. And this was unexpected. And the pain and suffering that you hear in someone's voice when you realize, I've never had a friend who's lost a child before. We are perishable. And we will die. And one day you're going to realize that there are probably more years in the rearview mirror than there are out the windshield. And that's a very sobering thing to come to uh, in your life. But for Christians, I hear many people say, well, we're okay because when we die, we're going to go to a better place. And that is true. What we've just read from God's word, if we choose to put faith in the fact that it's true, is that we will 
see Jesus Christ and go to heaven one day and we'll get a body that doesn't fail, that doesn't grow old, that doesn't get sick, that doesn't slow down. But that's still hard to deal with because that's something we can't see, we can't put our hands on. For us as Americans, we don't like the concept of death. We don't like to deal with it because we're not supposed to die. We sue doctors when we die because we're not supposed to die. That's very different in other cultures in the world. It's very different uh, in the ancient world. We can see Paul's voice in 2 Timothy when he is expecting to die. And he is saying, Timothy, I'm passing on this mantle to you. You have responsibilities there in Ephesus and to the kingdom to do some things because I'm not going to be around much longer. Even outside of the biblical world, we see pharaohs of Egypt who when they started to be king, they began to build their tombs in pyramids and dig them out of the ground. They knew that they were going to die and dying was a glorious thing and there was an afterlife to follow. And we know that there's an afterlife to follow as well in a much different way than they do. You're going to know I'm not a preacher regularly today because we're just going to stay in one passage of the Bible. We're not going to jump all over the Bible to different passages. We're going to stay in 1 Corinthians 15 today because I want you to put on a set of Corinthian ears. And I encourage you in your Bible study to always do this. And I'm going to tell you why I do this. Because I do not know, I do not know what the Corinthians had in their hand to understand Paul's letter other than two things. Paul had spent 18 months preaching there. We read about that in the book of Acts. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we know that Paul had written them a previous letter. What we call 1 Corinthians is actually 2 Corinthians. I don't know if that letter was inspired or not because I don't have it. And it really doesn't make any difference. But that's all the Corinthians had. It is wrong assumption to think that they had an entire New Testament in front of them to understand the teachings of God. We know that, that, that letters were circulated amongst the early church. But we don't know who had what and where. And at the time of 1 Corinthians writing, most of Paul's other writings had not even been written and the gospels did not yet exist. So what they had was preaching and the first letter they got and then the letter that we have revealed here and also another letter in 2 Corinthians. Second, 1 Corinthians has an overall context that we don't need to forget and it helps us in looking at that of church discipline. I think too often we take 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 15 and we pull them out of the book and say, oh, we will put 1 Corinthians 13 in our, in our Valentine's cards because it's talking about romantic love. That is a misinterpretation of that passage. It is not referring to romantic love in any way, shape, or form. It's put right in the middle of an issue saying this is how you ought to be acting to one another, but you're fighting over spiritual gifts. We see earlier in 1 Corinthians that there were divisions in the church that Paul was fighting. There were lawsuits among believers. There was a toleration of sexual immorality. There were problems in how they took the Lord's Supper. There were arguments over my spiritual gift of prophecy is better than your spiritual gift of teaching or, or of revelation, whatever that may wind up being. First Corinthians is a book about church discipline and also 13 is saying, this is how you're supposed to, you're supposed to be loving one another. Love doesn't envy, love doesn't boast. That's what they were doing. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we'll see it was dealing with an issue as well because Paul said here, when we look at what he talks about, it starts out in 15, we'll go back to the beginning of uh, 15. He tells you, I came and preached the good news to you. And we see in verse three through and following that says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, several things. Number one, this is the gospel message, pure and simple, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. He was buried 
and that he was raised on the third day and people witnessed it. That, that, that is what's in, that's the gospel message uh, in, in one simple verse there that he looks at. He says, he appeared to more than 500 brothers. Uh, he appeared to the 12. He appeared to me finally on the road to Damascus. And some of those people have died, but I'm here as an eyewitness to the fact that this man resurrected. And why does he say that? We look down in 12. He said, okay, Christ is proclaimed from the dead. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? 1 Corinthians 15, of course, we didn't have chapters in the Bible back then. It is dealing with an issue in Corinth that some people there are saying there is no resurrection. A similar problem is dealt with in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and, and John, in 1 John, deals with the fact that some people saying that Jesus Christ wasn't the son of God. We have to realize in the early church, all sorts of heresies were already starting to come up. And these people in Corinth, some of them were saying there is no resurrection. Well, wait a minute, Paul says as we continue, if, if there's no resurrection, then Christ didn't raise from the dead. So I, I told you a lie. And, and in what hope do we have? If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then why were you even baptized? Because baptism we know. There's no reason to think that Paul preached a different message in Corinth than he did when he wrote to the Romans or anywhere else that you're baptized in the likeness of our Lord's death and raised to walk in newness of life. There's no reason to think there was a different message preached in Corinth. There's only one gospel. So if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, what are we doing? If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, what are we doing here this morning? Other than listening to some rookie talk from the pulpit. What are we doing? We're here to see our friends. We're here, to, we're here to socialize. We should be home mowing the grass or jogging or fishing. We'd be doing something else if we didn't have any hope in Christ's resurrection. But he says in 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. There is no doubt. And he is the first fruit. He is the first in order of magnitude and, and, and reason from the dead. He is the guy. You know, there have been other people we see in the New Testament that have been raised from the dead, right? We see Dorcas by Peter. We see Lazarus by Jesus. We've seen people raised from the dead. Even in the Old Testament, Elisha, we see cases of people. But those people died again. You know, Lazarus died again. He didn't live forever. Jesus Christ rose and he lives forever. And as far as we know, he's the first person that was resurrected from the dead and lived forever, especially going back up into heaven and doing those things. We see that in the end, Christ is going to deliver the kingdom back to the Father in verse 24. He's going to destroy every rule and every authority and power for he has to reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. And that last enemy to be destroyed is God. Well, we look on and we see, well, what is this new body going to look like? I have people... I hear people ask that question from time to time. What's our new body going to look like? I, for one, hope it doesn't look like this one. <clears throat> I look a little bit out of shape. Hair is going away. The, the truth of the matter is we don't know what that's going to look like. But it's going to be different than this body, right? It, it's going to be changed. <clears throat> and if we are, have died, uh, and as we read in Revelation, the sea is going to give up their dead most people that died in the sea, they don't look very good anymore. You know, they don't look. They've, they've rotted away. But the, the symbolism there in the apocalyptic language of Revelation, is everybody that's died is going to be raised from the dead. And that's what Paul says here too. Even those that have died, 
are going to be raised back to life with a new body. I got to thinking about the concept of perishable and imperishable, or as Brandon read, corruptible and incorruptible. And I thought of a couple of things. This is an orange, for those of you that are not fruit savvy. This is an orange. This is a color that is the uh, color of the University of Tennessee Volunteers and my alma mater. So I had to bring that in here. But an orange, it has a skin around it, right? And an orange keeps for a while. This orange here is a couple weeks old, as a matter of fact. And it'll keep for a while, but ultimately what happens to an orange? It decays and it goes away. That's one of the reasons that sailors had scurvy in the medieval ages and middle ages because they didn't have a way of transporting fresh fruit to get their vitamin C. So although this little rascal here will last a while because of its covering, one day it'll rot and go away. This is honey. Honey lasts a long, 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 long time. Honey is in fact probably imperishable. In 1922, when Howard Carter opened the tomb of King Tutankhamun of Egypt, who died 1,300 years before Jesus was born, you know what they found in there? They found honeycombs. And they found honey because the Egyptians said, hey, our kings are going to need something to eat in the afterlife, and we better put something there that lasts a long time, so we're going to put honey in there. And most of you know that here, that honey changes color, and it, it looks a little bit different, but honey is, in our world, imperishable but it's not forever eternal like the body we're gonna get right now. We got a body like the orange who lasts a good long time because it's got a good covering and it's strong. But ultimately we wanna get a body that's imperishable that doesn't go away at all. And so I want a body like honey, not like orange, even though this color looks really good on me. <clears throat> so Paul talks about this body being imperishable. And I thought about this sermon when I thought about what I just told you. Mortality has arrived for me. I know that my condition is probably going to wind up causing me to die one day. I don't know if that's five years from now, 10 years from now, maybe 30. I hope it's the 30 number or greater. But chances are that my health condition is going to cause me to die. And so mortality has arrived for me. I know that I'm going to die. It's not like when I was 16 and I could go 90 miles an hour down the interstate and there's nothing that can happen to me and I can't die. I'm bulletproof. Well, I know that I can't. But I've got something in my life that not everyone has uh, in this world. Some of you in this room may not have it. I have the promise of resurrection one day because I believe that my Lord Jesus Christ raised from the dead and I believe that he's going to raise me from the dead or when he comes back, he's going to take me up and I'm going to be changed. And Paul describes it in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be changed. What a sight that's going to be. I really hope that I live to see that. But I don't know. It's been 2,000 years. It may be another 2,000 years. Only the Father in heaven knows when he is going to have that come to culmination uh, and, and Jesus is going to deliver the church back to the Father. But I would think it'd be awesome to see the dead raised uh, and, and taken up into heaven uh, and this trumpet sound and Jesus come back. What an awesome thing that'll be. But I'm also okay if I'm already dead. And I get to be the one raised up out of the tomb and other people get to see me and I get to get a changed body in heaven one day. Paul compares it to a seed that's put in the ground. And a seed, we know, a seed goes in the ground and it, begins, it germinates and it sprouts a plant and it grows corn or grain or an apple tree, whatever that may be. Maybe an orange tree. We could take a seed out of that orange and have an orange tree. And the ancient concept of that though, the seed was put in the ground and the seed died. And the seed had to die in order for something else 
to come up out of it. Something different, right? If I have a grain of corn, it looks very different than the whole corn plant, doesn't it? It's a whole different thing, a whole new creation. And Paul says, look, our bodies are gonna be like that. <clears throat> they were sown in dishonor, but they'll be raised in honor. We have these juxtapositions that he puts. Uh, he says, what is sown is perishable. I'm in chapter uh, 15, 42. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body and it's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. We think about Paul refers back to when God created Adam. God created Adam from the dust of the ground. Then he breathed the soul of life into it. God created Adam, a natural physical body, and then he gave him a soul. That's the order that we see in creation. And so here he's saying, and he uses this comparison of Adam. Adam is the created man. Christ is the second Adam that Christ lives forever. Just like Adam, we all perish in a perishable body. But Paul's saying there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. There are many out there that don't believe that, to believe we just have a natural body. When we die, there's nothing after that. The Sadducees in Jesus' time uh, didn't believe in an afterlife in that way. We're going to look at our passage today. We, we think about Paul's concept of this seed that's planted and it dies, but something else new comes out of it. And so he encourages the Corinthians. You can imagine being a Corinthian church member and saying, you know what? There's some people here that are saying that I'm going to die and there's not be anything after that. I'm not going to be resurrected back to life. That would be depressing. That would be very sad uh, to think about. And you would begin to doubt your faith and, and say, what am I doing here? Paul says, no, no, that seed's going to die, but something is going to come out of it, something greater. He says, you have a body here and there's all kinds of different bodies on this earth. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, there are animals, there are, there, are, there are fish, there are human beings, there's even different heavenly bodies. There's a sun, there's a moon, there's stars, they're all very different. Just like our body is going to be different one day. And he goes on in, in 50 to tell us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we want this spiritual body because this body can't go to heaven. This, this, this sack of carbon and water that we're encased in, it, it can't go to heaven. So flesh and blood can't do that. So you want there to be a resurrection, a change. And it's interesting in 51, he says, I tell you a mystery. When Paul says that in the Bible, it generally means they haven't heard this before. The word mysterion in Greek means it's a revelation. It's something new, something revealed that they couldn't see before. He said, we will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. No, everybody's not going to die. There are going to be people alive when Christ comes back, but everyone, dead or alive, will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. When perishable puts on the imperishable in 54 and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. And he quotes from Isaiah 25 saying, death is swallowed up in victory. And from Hosea 13, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a debate by some in, about the scriptures that say, okay, well, we read about in the Bible about the, the righteous being resurrected and given a new body. What about the unrighteous? Will they have an immortal body? Well, the Bible also teaches us about people spending forever in hell and torment. So they have to also have an immortal body. 
But that's not what Paul is trying to address to the Corinthians here. He's saying, because our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and given life, you also can follow in that way and be given life. You know, we see constantly in the New Testament sin and death and eternal punishment as, as, as characterized as being dead. Whereas we see being saved and know we're going to heaven one day and being resurrected and being in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ as life. Not life in, in this world, but eternal life, a blessing. And he says this, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, death is swallowed up in victory. Death has no victory. He just said that Christ defeats the last enemy, death, when he comes to resurrect us. And at the end of it, Therefore, my beloved brethren, in verse 58, therefore, because Christ is going to come back, because Christ was resurrected, because you will be resurrected and we want to go be in heaven with God one day, because of this, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, we can, we can know this, know that the Lord, that in the Lord your labor it's not in vain. Jesus is going to come back again one day. I believe that. I've put my whole life in faith to that. And in order for me to be able to be in heaven with him one day, I have to be steadfast and immovable. I have to abound in the work of the kingdom. I have to do what Jesus says. I am in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And God says, I'll give you eternal life through my son, Jesus Christ but you have to obey my commandments. You have to do that. That's not what popular churches will teach you today is that once you're saved, it doesn't matter what you do, you're covered by the blood of Christ and that is just not taught in the scriptures. First John tells us that, you know, you have to be walking in the light in order for Christ's blood to cover you. Everybody in this room, if Jesus doesn't come back in the next 100 years, share something in common. We're all gonna die. We are all going to perish. We're from all different walks of life, all different cultures, all different incomes, different hometowns. I often say there's no gathering of a more motley crew of people than in a church building. They come from all different places. But we all share something in common, we're gonna die. But you might be here this morning and not share something in common with the baptized believers that are sitting in this room. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God because you haven't obeyed the gospel. Perhaps you've never even heard the gospel and you want to hear more about it. I encourage you to do that. Maybe you've heard the gospel, but you've refused the gospel. You've said, well, I hear that stuff, but I can put that off to another day because I'm not going to die for a long time. I urge you to reconsider that thought because you don't ever know when mortality is going to arrive. And we also don't know when immortality is going to arrive. Jesus may appear before we meet again tonight or even before we get out of Bible class today. You never know when those two things are going to come. And you should be prepared. So I encourage you here, if you have heard the gospel, don't hesitate in obeying the gospel today. Be baptized into Christ. Have your sins forgiven by his sacrifice and know that you have a hope that no matter if you die or Jesus comes again, you're going to have a home in heaven. And you're going to be changed out of this tired and worn out body into something that is eternal, something we cannot even come close to comprehending. If you leave here unsaved today, you, you may not get that. You're not guaranteed to make it home. You're not guaranteed that Jesus won't come back. 
if today's the first time you've set foot in a church and you're hearing the Bible for the first time, I'm glad you're here. I'm sorry that we don't have anything better than this for you to hear the first time. We got plenty of people that will study with you. We would love to study with you. If it takes months, weeks, days, years, whatever that may be, it took many, many years for me to come to accept Jesus Christ and to follow his rules uh, instead of my rules. Don't hesitate in doing that because it's not a lie. It's the truth that God's word gives us that we'll be resurrected one day. If we can help you in any way today, please come as we stand and as we sing our song.